listening to Lady Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. Shuttle approaching. Guest Commander, Lisa Wolf, you are cleared for docking. Attention. Uh, Attention. Second Technician, Forrester, to the station bar. I repeat, Second Technician, Forrester, to the station bar. Joining me in the Lave Station bar this evening, we have the creator of the tech blog site, Hot Pink Monkey Socks. She's a keen gamer and photographer, author of the book I Don't Do Normal, and finally one of the 15 short story authors creating the elite dangerous anthology titled Tales from the Frontier. Welcome to Lave Radio, Lisa Wolf. Hey, good to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, actually. Um, getting on with the writing, which has been stressing me out, but hey... You know, that's what I've uh, signed up for. Before we go into that, did I miss anything in your introduction? Is there anything I, I left out, any glaringly obvious omissions? No, no, that's pretty much it. I think I'm a pretty boring person otherwise, so I think you've caught the main things. <laughs> no, I didn't mention the fact that you're actually, uh, you work in IT and communications and you've been programming since the early days of the uh, Commodore uh, VIC-20. Oh, yes. Well, okay, I have been in it for a long time. Yeah. I, I've just always been a computer person. Once I found out about them, it was a case of, okay, this is what I want to do. And then it was like, what do I need to do at uni? I have no idea. Um, oh, I'm good with computers. So <laughs> I fell into it, I think, because I didn't know what else to do, and it just turns out I'm good at them. Did you always have computers in the family? I must admit, from uh, my computer experience, it was the old uh, ZX. Uh, I think it was 48, the first one that my dad brought home, and ever since then I've been really sort of smitten with them. What about you? Oh, I did start with the VIC-20. Um, Dad brought it home with the idea that he would program it, but since he's a kind of impatient person, he couldn't even get the first 10-line program to run out of the manual. Um, <laughs> he gave up on it and it became my machine, and, yeah, I think that's where I went ever since then. So, like, from there to the Commodore 64, then to PCs. I kind of skipped the Amiga, but I was jealous of all my friends with one. Um, yeah, from PCs to more PCs and... Yeah, then I found a job in the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds ideal. Now, I must admit, it was similar for me. It was sort of spectrums. And then from the spectrum, we went through to... But we, it was all, var all variety of spectrums. We had. Uh, we ended up with a plus three with the disk drive. Uh, <sighs> was the last spectrum we had. And then we, from there, we moved, on to, uh, we moved on to the Amiga. And then from the Amiga to the, uh, the PC. So you had that extra step in the middle. Yeah, I was at the, the age where it was a big sort of tussle between Spectrums and Commodores. Quite a few of my friends had the old sort of Commodore 64, and it was a playground argument as to uh, which machine was better. I obviously thought that the, the, the Spectrum Plus 3 was just the machine to have. But, uh, well, of course. It seemed to be that most people, uh, most people seemed to come down on the Commodore side of things. And then I must admit, I did feel slightly guilty when I started playing with my Amiga, 
you see the old Commodore sign sort of put into the top left-hand corner of it. It's like, ooh, a bit traitorous here. sides. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny around here. Um, we didn't have any Spectrum people. It was basically Apples, Apple IIs, Commodores, and um, oh, what was the other one? The one that had the built-in disk drive, Amstrad. They, they were sort of the, the main ones. I, I actually didn't find out about the ZX and until I found a lonely one sitting in a laboratory in high school. Well, maybe that's a good point to go straight on to then your early Elite memories. Which one of those computers did you actually first find Elite on? I started on the Commodore 64, and I also got to play a little bit on the um, Amstrad. But yeah, mine was always the Commodore 64. Um, Played it to death on that, of course. Um, I actually went through two disk drives on it. (laughs) (laughs) But I was kind of jealous of my Amstrad friend, although I'd never tell him that. But the one thing I did notice is that when you stopped rotating the ship, it kind of drifted to a stop on the Amstrad, whereas it stopped dead on the 64, and that kind of made me a bit jealous. But, yeah, I'd never (laughs) tell him that. So just a slightly more realistic on uh, on the Amstrad with the inertia then? Yeah, yeah, which I really liked. I was, even at that stage, I kind of liked the extra realism. So how old would you have been when you first sort of came across Elite on the C64? I've been trying to work that out, actually, but I think um, I would have been about 10 or 12, somewhere in that general region. Um, So sort of late primary, early high school for me. Right, well, without giving too much away about your age then, I think that puts you probably in the old demographic on the uh, Frontier forums. Did you come across the, the Frontier game and the First Encounters game? Yeah, I had both of those on the PC. I don't know what other platforms they came out on, but um, I had both of them. Um, Really enjoyed them. But the funny thing is, I know I enjoyed them. I played them an awful lot. But trying to bring a single memory up, um, the only (laughs) memory that I can remember is one of the first missions on one of them you had to land on a planet. And I remember landing on the atmosphere. It wouldn't go down any further. I'd found this wonderful bug. It only ever happened once, but it stopped on the atmosphere and said, your altitude's at this amount, but you're landed. Oh, I'm nice. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than that, I know I had a great deal of fun. I bought different ships. I played with them. But can I remember any of it? I mean, I didn't do drugs, I swear. I just don't remember <laughs> So I think obviously then by that your your strongest memories from the original Elite franchise then. Oh, definitely. I mean that's the thing. I did play that one to death. It was sort of whenever I was bored, that was my go-to game. Um, I even tried to do that. You know, everyone's got a game they go to when they've got five minutes to spare. Now try and do that with something like Elite. You can't do it, but I tried. <laughs> Number. I actually almost missed two exams because of it. Oh, no, you see, now that is bad. That's almost bordering on compulsive. That, that That's dangerous stuff. What do you mean bordering on? <laughs> I was definitely compulsive. I still am. When it comes to games I love, it's like, no, this is what I want to do. Yes, I go to work and I do my job properly, but when I come home, it's go away, stop bothering me. This is the game I'm playing until I'm finished it. But what did you do during the uh, the Frontier First Encounters to Elite Dangerous Hump? What uh, what games did you play in the interim? Um, I almost gave up on the space simulation type thing to a certain extent. I never really found anything that scratched the same itch. Um, I did try Elite on the PC, but at that stage they didn't really have anything that 
would let you slow the clock cycles down. So it played at a ridiculous rate. <laughs> um, so beyond that, I don't know. There really wasn't anything. I tried, uh, what was it, Eve? And yeah. couldn't couldn't really get on with that for some reason. And I, I played various things, obviously the latest series like Mass Effect and so on. But yeah. nothing was really, yeah, it wasn't right. And it, I must admit, every now and again, once the web existed and I could search on it, I would keep searching for the next elite. And, you know, I'd see a, f- a few things here and there that hinted that it might be made. Um, but it never was, and I'm just so I was I was constantly waiting for it. Really, I was just one day it will happen. It will happen. You know, it was my holy grail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was a few of us in that position where we were just sort of always waiting. Which leads me on to the next question then. So, how did you hear about the Kickstarter? At what point did you uh, did you jump on board? Uh, I think I was probably about two weeks in. I, I came in just after the spike the initial spike in funding that I heard about. Um, yep. And it was it just came about because I was doing my occasional search for what's happening with the next Elite. And I'd already done Kickstarter. And when I heard Kickstarter and Elite in the same sentence, it's like, I'm there. I've got to be there. <laughs> I've got to be part of this. I need this to be made. It's not, you know, it's not a want, it's a need. <laughs> so, yeah, straight on to Kickstarter, found it, and it's like, okay, you know, how much can I afford on this? And then I'm like, okay, um, can I afford more? And <laughs> <laughs> So did you find yourself jaunting your pledge a few times? or I did, actually. Um, even with putting in money to, into other Kickstarter projects, other authors, I was sort of looking at, it was kind of a toss between wanting certain rewards and wanting the game to succeed and being able to actually afford it. Because the last thing I really wanted to do was, oh, you actually need the money now. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I didn't want that. So um, I was carefully putting money away and looking at bills and all these sort of things. And, yeah, I'd, I'd jaunty it up occasionally. And eventually I settled on a particular number, which I'm not going to say. But um, it's... Uh, even at that stage as we we're heading in and it wasn't quite looking like it was going to make it. I'm thinking, Oh gee, can I just push it that little bit more? I couldn't, but you know, I was hoping I was running figures and looking at future pays and all sorts of things just to try and make that extra bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm in a similar sort of situation. I, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled actually that they've made the Kickstarter as long as they did because it gave me an opportunity to have a look through my drawers and find what sort of old pieces of gadgetry and stuff I had lying around so I could put them onto eBay. Every bit of gadgetry I sold just sort of went into my uh, Elite Dangerous fund and slowly but surely kept on jaunting up and jaunting up, hopefully without bankrupting myself too badly. Um, oh, that sounds familiar. My, my problem is that <laughs> um, at one stage... Not oh, it was a while ago now, but I had been planning on moving countries, so I'd already done the big purge. So when it came to that sort of thing, I'm going through my drawers, going, "There's nothing here. <laughs> I've already done all this. This is not fair. The cupboards are bare." <laughs> exactly. So take us into uh, the anthology section. There. When did you first come across the anthology, and when did you think that this is something you might want to get involved with? Um, I came across the anthology. I actually can't remember timing, but it was probably at least a couple of weeks, if not longer, after I came across the Elite. And I'd, I'd started reading through the um, forums on the Kickstarter, and somebody mentioned it. Um, and I dropped in to have a bit of a look, and I thought, oh, this 
this could be interesting. I'd love to see it. I, I didn't actually think at the time I was going to be part of it. I just thought this will be interesting. I'll put some money in because I'd just like to see it written because uh, I, to a certain extent, I really like the anthology format because it gives you a whole series of stories so they can all have their own feel, their own characters. I mean, I like yeah. the one story at times, but just in this case, I thought that was a great way to go. And so I'm just watching it and I noticed the author pledges and I'm like, yeah, that could be interesting, but no, I don't have the time, probably can't do it anyway. And then I suddenly noticed that they went from 15 to three left and something made me say, no, I've got to do this. So I threw in the money and then spent the whole amount of time until the Kickstarter ended for that anthology, swinging between, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I can't do this, and <laughs> God, I need to do this, God, I need to do this. And, yeah, I'm, I think I was an emotional wreck by the end of it. <laughs> oh, okay, well, well, tell us a bit more about the anthology. For people that haven't come across it on uh, Kickstarter, who might have been late to the party, tell us about Tales from the Frontier. Okay, well, it's basically an anthology of 15 stories and some number of illustrations, which I think is six if you don't include things like the cover and so on. Basically, there are 15 different authors and they'll all, well, we'll all be producing our own stories. There were some, oh, I've forgotten what they're called, the pledge levels, where you could mm -hmm. say, um, here's a character I'd like to get in or here's a location, or in one case, uh, one person paid enough money that their character would somehow appear in all the stories, whether it was as a main character or somebody just in passing, but they would appear in all of them. And that was wow. also part of the interesting challenge is that I've never done that before. And, and really, I've never actually worked in anyone else's fiction beyond fan fiction where as long as you're not showing it to anyone, you can do whatever you like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we've got the illustrations, we've got that, and we've got the characters, and hopefully, to a certain extent, we'll be able to tie them all together without really locking them all in so rigidly that you lose the advantage of an anthology. So I, I'm hoping that'll all work out. I think it will, because we seem to have a lot of really good people in there. Excellent. Well, what about your your bite uh, your, your biting background what about your writing background obviously you've mentioned a little bit there about fan fiction what you know, what have you done in the past well when it comes to professional writing um i haven't really done an awful lot i've done a few game reviews for sort of local magazines and so on i've written a few uh what would you call them i guess touristy type things for i used to live in a village called hall and i um once wrote for their local magazine once. Um, so there's not a lot in there. I've done a bit of fan fiction here and there for various things, everything from, um, uh, what was it, a, a, sort of a series that I think I guess crossed Anne McCaffrey and Elite, which was kind <laughs> nice. of weird. I, I don't know how that worked, but I started out with Anne McCaffrey's brain ships and somehow Vipers appeared in the story. Um <laughs> And I, I really don't know how that worked out. I never finished that one because I just couldn't get it to work. But it was, you know, my two interests sort of clashed. But my two interests at the time clashed, maybe, so that's a better way of putting it. Um, other than that, yeah, um, what would you call professional writing, documentation for computer programs, all that sort of thing. And, of course, the swearing emails I send to people in my company when they're not doing what I want. Um, <laughs> So I've sort of done a lot of writing, but not an awful lot of professional fiction writing. I mean, I have produced a book, but really, since that was a whole collection of tweets that I'd done during my insane period, then 
Um, it, it really was more an anthology of stuff I'd already done and bite-sized bits rather than, you know, let's put something together in a structure like a story. Probably the first question I should ask you is, what's your story going to be called? Okay, that's, that's not an easy one. I've actually gone through three titles at this point, and in fact, three synopses, but I finally settled down on a question of intelligence, which hopefully won't give away too much, but it's kind of integral to the story. Going on to the story then, what can you tell us about your particular part of the anthology, your story? I mean... I've been trying to think about that, actually, in what I can say without ruining it, because part of the way I write is, to a certain extent, I like to um, keep things back from the audience as much as possible. And obviously, you know, with a story that people haven't read yet, you obviously don't want to give away the big ending or the twist or any of those kind of things. So that's kind of left me with not a lot to say. But having (laughs) said that, I'm probably going to say things anyway. The basic thrust is that a woman who is fairly close to her father, her father is the sort of person I guess you would call a treasure hunter. He's always going out looking uh, for anything, the old, any old legends he comes across, places of interest, anything that, not, not actually looking for money and treasure per se, but he's just fascinated by legends and he wants to see what's real about them. And she basically wakes up one day to find out that he's disappeared and that she can't find any trace of him and she has to go and find him. Now, that kind of isn't amazingly, I guess, original. Uh, the, the only other thing I guess I can say without giving too much away is that the main place that she finds him and where the story takes place is uh, an old space station that is essentially used to be a luxury space station that people paid a lot of money to have a place on and, you know, gilt, gold, uh, sweeping vistas, all the sort of things inside that money could buy. And it has long since been abandoned by the people that owned it. And the few surviving people in there have almost formed tribal structures. So I'm kind nice. of wanting wanting to mix the old and the new a bit, as well as I think the one thing that I really want to bring to my writing, and I hope I can do it, is the thing that Elite gave me in the first place, which even with the old vector graphics and just the stars in the background was the pure wonder of space. And that that, that idea that um, sometimes when you see space photos now, you just look at them and go, I really just want to go out there and see that. And I, I the one thing I do remember about Frontier and First Encounters is that with the better graphics, you occasionally got that. But even with the original Elite, I still got that, you know, the first time you come out of the docking bay and you see the planet below you. And I just want to sort of try and get that feeling in somehow so that people can realise what it could be like if we were exploring space and go, oh, my God, there's so much out here to see. Yeah, I have to say, Lisa, if if you can capture that feeling, because just what you talking about there is actually just sort of sent yeah, the nostalgic goosebumps all the way up my back um i think everybody who's backed this project will probably have the same sort of feeling that your own ship is your you know almost like your car your your winnebago your camper van you know just your way of exploring this vast universe and yeah the the wonder that you got and it absolutely it came across in elite and you know it also came across in the in the frontier games as well so if you can capture that in a in a story that would be absolutely amazing. I must. I'm really excited to hear it. Um, so so, how so am I. I'm really hoping I can. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it sounds like you set yourself quite a quite a, a big task there. To be fair, Lisa. I think I have, but by the same token, I think I've got to have something like that to aim for. I really, um, I don't like the idea of, of writing stories that other people write. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but yeah, um, to me, it's got to be a story that I want to write. The, the difference here is that it's in a universe that I love. It's somebody else's universe under somebody else's rules, but I still want to bring out what I see in the universe. Perfect. Well, maybe you can explain a little bit about how the process is going so far. Now, I, I know the anthology's got a separate um, forum set up within the Frontier Development Forum itself. How does the interaction work between, obviously, yourselves, your fellow writers, and also Frontier Development as a whole? Um, okay, that's quite complex. Let's see if I can boil it down. <laughs> I guess the first place to start is obviously the anthology forum. Um, I think we've all settled down a bit now in that we all realise that we can put problems out there for other people to look at, um, put out ideas. Uh, some people can come in and say, I agree, I disagree, here's what I think. And so we're already getting a bit of a rapport there between us all, which has been great because there are some people in there who have got a lot of writing experience, um, some people that this is their first time to do anything like this, and then I guess there are people like me in the middle who've had some writing experience but not necessarily in this area. So it's great to sort of get all of the various um, viewpoints. Uh, the other thing is that we've had some people that pledged to come in and um, you know, watch the process, as it were, and that's been interesting because some of those people have been helpful. Again, it's, it's a, another range of experience, I guess, coming in. Um, and then we've had the people that have pledged to put various characters in, and that's actually been one of the most interesting things because not only do we have threads of here's my story, here are the types of characters I need and uh, opening that up for people to make suggestions. But there are obviously also been threads of the people saying, I pledged this level, here's my character, what can you do with them, who would like to take them, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it, it's just been a really interesting interaction from that point of view. It, when we first started, I really wasn't sure how we'd coordinate, but it's all really it's looking like it's all working out really well in that we can talk, we can work things out. It's great. Um, as for how we work with sort of the, the with Frontier, then there's the actual writers, the, the private writers forum that everyone who's doing the writing has access to. So we sort of, I don't know about anyone else, but as an anthology writer, I bounce back and forth between the two, sort of using the private writers forum as a place that you put out things that, you need to ask Frontier things that the, all the other writers may need to know or you can ask of them. And then the anthology one is where I tend to just sit for specific anthology questions. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense, to be honest. Um, what about your interactions with Frontier Developments? I mean, have they come and spent much time in the anthology forum or have you got a head person within the anthology that speaks to them? Or um, I've spent a little bit of time there. Most of the interaction with them has really been uh, in the private writers forum, um, mm -hmm. we don't really seem to have. I mean, although we've got Chris, who's the one that started the anthology and is driving it, we haven't really settled down to having a leader. It really just seems to be a democracy that works at the moment, or maybe an anarchy that works. That might be a better way of putting it. <laughs> um, but all all my interactions so far have either been in in sort of general question threads in the writers forum, or direct messages and so on where I'm 
uh, getting my synopsis approved or not approved, where I'm asking questions that really just have to be at this point between Frontier and myself. Um, and they've always been really responsive and uh, very helpful. I mean, I really like the fact that when they come back to a request to look at my synopsis, it's not just yes or no. It's usually yes, but by the way, have you thought of this or no, but maybe you can do this. So it's not just a blanket thing. They've really been very helpful. And given the amount of work they seem to be doing at the moment, I'm surprised I've got time for it. <laughs> The uh, the workload on poor old Michael Brooks does seem to be mounting up ever so slightly. Oh, it does. I, I feel sorry for him going to have to read all of these stories when they're done. <laughs> well, you say you feel sorry for him, but also I would say uh, I feel quite jealous of him, to be honest. The rest of us have to wait until uh, you know, March next year when these things come out. Well, that is a good point. I, I guess he's in, he's in a pleasant hell, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> it's hell with a very be... good view. <laughs> Hell with a very good view, I think, is probably going to be the quote from the interview, to be honest, Lisa. <laughs> um, okay, well, I mean, that's great about the anthology. And I must admit, you're the first anthology writer we've actually had on the show. So it's been quite interesting to hear about how the process is working. But what other projects did you, uh, did you end up backing? Um, well, obviously the anthology and Elite Dangerous itself. Um, what was the other one? There was... Uh, an Andre or Andre, I never know how to pronounce that. He's super massive. Yeah. Um, I really don't know what appealed to me about that, but I just saw it and decided, yes, I've got to back this one. Oh, God, how am I going to back that as well as Elite <laughs> and as well as the anthology? Um, but uh, he and I had a few chats in the background and sort of encouraging each other and um that that was actually really good that my sort of my first connection with another author that actually sort of pushed me to back him more so <laughs> i guess i'm one of these people that you know when I, when i talk to people directly i get more of a connection and i want to do more for them i'm not sure if that's good or bad in this case um the other one was oh, what was it and here's the wheel or was it john harper john harper yeah and that one was really they were getting close. They didn't quite have the money. There was all of the activity in the Kickstarter forums for Elite Dangerous. And I thought, I, I want to see this one across the line. So I threw in money and then thought, oh, I'll worry about how to pay for it later. Luckily, I did. I was able to pay for it. But that was just a spur of the moment. I really want to see this made type one. Okay, well, I'm going to point out before any of our listeners point it out, you might not have noticed, but both of those projects are just fellow Antipodeans as well. I actually hadn't realised that with <laughs> I knew it with Andre, but yeah, I didn't no. realise with John. There you there you go. I'm obviously, you know, a homegrown. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, final question of the interview, Lisa. Blue Sky Thinking, uh, obviously the game's coming out next March. What are you most looking forward to or what would you like to see included in the game? I think the thing that I'm really looking forward to, and it was kind of the thing that I really loved about the original Elite, is the exploration. Um, I'm the sort of person, I mean, yeah, I love the fighting and the trading and all that sort of stuff, but the one thing that I really loved the most, and it sounds like they're really working hard towards make, making exploration um, even more of a reward in this game, is just getting out there and seeing what's there, finding things that I guess no one's seen before, 
um, you know, plotting plotting new routes, finding new systems, whatever. Um, I've always been the sort of person in games I love to explore, I love to push them to the limits. And in this, um, one of the things that they're doing, it really sounds like they are going to make it um, not just a side thing, but a way you can, well, you know, a sort of career you can make in the game along with the trading and all and the bounty hunting and so on. So that makes me really happy. And I think that'll be a great deal of fun. Great stuff. Well, Lisa, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, we're going to wrap that up now, but uh, is there anything else you'd like to say? Anything else you'd like to pimp? Any shout outs you've got? No, that's pretty much it. You've already talked about the other things that I'd want to talk about, the books and so on. So I'm just really glad to be part of all of this and i'm so so happy that elite dangerous is finally being made <laughs> well best of luck with the project and i'm sure we'll come back and uh, hear about your progress in a few months time thanks very much and hopefully i'll have something to report then cheers lisa take care you too thanks So, Lisa, obviously, um, try that again. Bollocks. <laughs> Excellent. Well, what about your your, bite, uh, your, your biting background? <laughs> Bollocks. I never actually asked you what the title of your uh, short story was going to be. That's a good point.